0: Everyone still looks uncomfortable. Perhaps it all remembered that old saying: power corrupts.
1: and welcome to second officer slog episode 30 i am your host and with me is my number
0: one jackson i know hi hello star trek Trek, it feels like
1: it's been a lifetime this podcast is late we're gonna do the next one like very soon after
0: this yeah it has been if you will a lengthy road oh a long journey (laughs) yes it's been a long journey here and back
1: again star trek (laughs) Jesus Christ!
0: (laughs) Oh, God. Was not ready for the hard right turn there. Speaking of stupid
1: things that have happened, there's been a lot of news in the world of New Star Trek.
0: Right, I guess we'll do the news segment.
1: We will not be putting music here. That will be the music you get. it uh,
0: definitely won't be slight. Apparently, we both decided to sing royalty free, distinct cover of the Star Wars theme there.
1: No, I was doing Star Trek. I was doing the uh, motion picture theme.
0: Uh, it sounded like you were doing no. royalty free Star Wars. No,
1: I knew exactly what I was doing. It was actual Star Trek music. Wow, well, okay. Carry on. Uh, anyway. Uh, the people who run Discovery, they've been fired! (laughs) They have been fired. Apparently they were abusive to the writing staff, so they all got fucking shit-canned. So, the, um, so what, it's, uh, Bergs and Herberts. Gretchen L. L. Berg? I always get this wrong. Arberg, something, Gretchen Berg and Aaron Harberts, yeah, they've been fucking fired.
0: Yeah, so the, the, the headline, (laughs) the way this went down, the headline was, uh, Showrunners fired, replaced with Alex, Alex Kurtzman, which is immediate, like, oh, God, what the fuck? We're all doomed in, like, levels of headline writing. But you dig into the story, and it sounds like they were really shitty to all the writers, and the writers were like, we're, we're leaving if these people don't go. And then Kurtzman came in and go, I'll, I'll take care of it, it's fine, you continue to write your show, you go away, stop being mean to everyone, and we'll just finish season two. Um, with how it's, how it's, like, the impression I'm getting from the stories. Yeah. Uh, like... I don't get from that story, and especially from the like later story that it comes out of the other stuff Kurtzman's doing, I don't predict that he will still be the showrunner for season three. I imagine they'll find like an actual uh, replacement or bring someone up from the writers team or something. Yeah. I don't actually know how that's like being run, but I don't think this is Alex Kurtzman like coming in and putting his Star Trek 09 stamp on everything. Everyone panic. Yes.
1: It does create a um, weird narrative that we talked about in the Discord a bit, that you get... Uh... Brian Fuller who joined the show and left and then joined American yes. Gods and Left. and then now these two have been kicked out and they were like part of his writing team like they all three were part of Hannibal, which is a show that just got canceled because nobody watched it. but you get the sense that maybe they're just all kind of bad at dealing with people.
0: Yeah, like there's no way to know obviously. yeah but, um...
1: like this is all alleged speculation 100 percent. like I have nothing on this, but you just look at it, you're like man these these are people who bounce out of shows real frequently.
0: <laughs> and especially with the like news stories about this like it wasn't just all oh, they were said they were difficult it was like no they yelled at people in the writers room yes they were, they were like it was it was an hr with.
1: problem and they had to kick them out
0: <laughs> and like knowing what i know about hollywood is that has to get pretty difficult before someone does anything yes like the fucking leeway you get on this shit especially if any kind of power is ridiculous so like i i'm not here to give sympathy for people who are abusive to the writers that is shitty as hell
1: yeah
0: let's hope um, season two is good yeah I hope it'll be good I don't think this necessarily is like a marker of doom and I'm like I would have been sad to see them go if I didn't know they were abusive and if they're abusive then fuck off they can fuck off I don't care Uh, the other bit of news is Alex Kurtzman then went on to
1: sign a five year deal to develop Infinite Star Trek
0: oh the fucking dick measuring between uh, Paramount and CBS about who's gonna make the most Star Trek is incredible the answer is CBS because Paramount isn't
1: actually (laughs) making anything
0: yes no, they they will actually make a stuff stuffy academy series. It'll be do very well.
1: I I really want a dumb like soap opera Star Trek show. I think that'd be
0: great. Well, they they're gonna do it. They Thank God. they haven't they got like CW people to run it. Oh uh, yeah, I think so. The Gossip Girl they, runner, also someone from that yeah. like, lineage of
1: uh, writers. So yeah, he signed a five year deal to develop a bunch of things, uh, mini series, new series, animation uh there we have
0: the list of the like the projects that are because there was an article that went through here are the things that we've heard that might be the thing and there were four things on that list do we have that somewhere
1: uh i don't know do you have that somewhere because if you don't i, I do, do not <laughs> i will do in a, if you want a fan uh so one of them is like a con series which was like uh, i feel like i was like right of course this is going to be set in like world war three earth and Khan's going to be running a space like a earth yep. kingdom that's full of sci-fi shit it's just gonna be game of thrones but laser guns i'll so watch they, that show
0: here they are so the one was yes a limited series based around the wrath of khan story uh khan's full name was yes okay just more information about Khan yesterday. A limited series based on Ratha Khan. Uh, a series set at Starfleet Academy from creators Stephanie Savage and Josh Schwartz. The duo most recently developed the CW's reboot of Dynasty and previously created shows like Gossip Girl and Runaways. So yes, exactly the thing that you said. Yes. Um, a limited series whose plot details are being kept under wraps. Yes. Uh, and an animated series whose plot details are being kept under wraps. So who knows? Uh, and the other thing was that there was another rumor that one of them involves Picard.
1: Yes, that Patrick Stewart was willing, like, already on board
0: with a project or something. Which you're more ready for that than I am. I don't know. I don't know if I'm ready for like Patrick Stewart to play Picard again. Like, they're not going
1: to get everyone back because that's too expensive. So they're going to just make something about Picard and maybe one or two characters, and that's fine.
2: Mm -hmm. I guess. Like the
1: the only thing I don't want is the Enterprise E with everyone on the bridge, old as shit. Like, we're not going to get that. Thank God.
0: Yeah, but like I don't know. You could have everyone hanging out. I, hmm. What do you do? Like, do, do they get data in this? In this? No, he is the
1: absolute person you cannot get. Unless He's you're gonna, unless you're gonna, get. unless you're gonna pay the money to like digitally overdo his face with young data. To, but how young? <laughs> what era do you choose? Like season four or five TNG.
0: That's the right choice.
1: Yeah. Uh. <laughs> but they're not gonna do that on a television budget. So you're not gonna get data. Uh, God, I hope not. It's just a Dixon Hill story. <laughs>
0: just, <laughs> Picard sat an like, old, just on his holodeck somewhere, <laughs> yes. doing a Dixon Hill thing, doesn't even show the outside world. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'd watch that. Whoopi
1: Goldberg's there.
0: Yeah. That's yeah. who I
1: want them to get. I want, some fad and I want Whoopi Goldberg and that's it.
0: I mean, that's those are the characters that are most important for card. Uh, get Lavar Burton
1: paid; he can show up. I don't care. Jordy being old is fine; that doesn't bother me at all.
0: <laughs> uh, fucking Frank directs it, but is not in the show. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that's that's the news. We're still excited about future Star Trek stuff. Hopefully nothing too worrying about anything that's going to happen. Fucking let them make books again, please, someone, for the love of God. Yes.
1: Uh. So let's get into what we're talking about before we get into it, so people can know what's going to be spoiled and talked about. Uh. Today, yes. we we're talking about two episodes of Deep Space Nine. We we're talking about Rejoined, which is season four, episode six, and Field of Fire, which is season seven, episode 13. And then we we're talking about the book, The Lives of Dax, uh, which is uh, written by a bunch of people because it's a bunch of short stories stories it came out in 2000 1999 and 2002 um so we're gonna be talking about deep space 9 stuff you should probably have watched all of deep space 9 you probably don't need to know that much about uh the books we've been reading so
0: far but it wouldn't hurt especially for one of these short
1: stories yes
0: there, there are connections there but we're not it's it's not a sequel it yes, this is of this is not that the that. deep
1: lore uh, uh well well this is not the deep lore of sos this is the deep lore of star trek <laughs>
0: Yes, this is more general deep lore. Um, uh, but if that is not something that interests you, next month we are doing... Uh, we are doing two more episodes of Deep Space Nine. Sorry, I hope you like Deep Space
1: Nine. We are doing... Uh, <laughs> God, I had these episodes and now I don't. Um, uh, Battle Lines? Battle Lines, to... yes, which is Season 1, Episode 13 of Deep Space Nine. And The Muse, which is Season 4, Episode 21. If you know what that is, and you're like, why the hell are you doing that? Because look at it. Isn't that an episode we should be talking about Yes. <laughs>
0: uh, why would people choose, it's so early on in their podcast run, to talk about The Muse? I
1: mean, we talked about masks in, like, Episode 3, so we're doing alright. Uh, we're talking
0: about Field of Fire today.
1: <laughs> uh, Field of Fire is a pretty... Anyway, we're also reading the *Rising <laughs> Sun* by S. D. Perry, which is the next book yeah. in the series of *Star Trek* DS9 relaunch novels. So, if you have not been following this show up to this point, when we get there, I mean, we'll have a recap, but you're going to be a little lost. Please listen to the rest of our show. Listen to all those DS9 episodes; they're good.
0: Yeah, we only put up one a month, so it's, yeah, they're not too, not too. The like, next one will be up proper. in about two and a half weeks. <laughs> <laughs> yep, and then we've got to do *Into Darkness* at some point.
1: Yeah, we will. We will. I'm not in any rush to watch Into
0: Dark I just fans, really want to talk about Beyond. <sighs> <sighs> Alright. Okay, I guess that's it. I have to go to the restroom real fast. I'll
1: be right back. Our first episode this month is Rejoined, which is Deep Space Nine Season 4, Episode 6. Uh, teleplay by Ronald D. Moore and Renee Echevarria. Story by Renee Echevarria. This is directed by Avery Brooks. It came out the 30th of October, 1995. It takes place in the year 2372. Jackson,
0: what happens in Rejoined? Cisco tells Dax that there is a new team from Trill coming in to try to create an artificial wormhole, and the leader of that team is Lenara Khan, who is the like a descendant or the new host uh, for the symbiote that was uh, once um, Dax's wife. Uh, Torias Dax was married to Nilani N- Khan, N- Khan, and now she is Jadzia, and uh, the symbiote Khan is Lenara, and they are meeting each other. This is looked down upon, or, f- or frowned upon, because... Um, in trill society it is a taboo for uh, two like people who were like married in one life to then in one of their later lives meet up and hook up again uh so everyone's very nervous that they can't they cannot read they cannot restart their relationship they can like hang, hang out and meet each other but they can't restart their relationship uh because that is called reassociation and the price for this is exile from trill like uh Bashir's like oh it's a taboo but it has an exact very specifically written down price anyway she spent the most of this episode negotiating like with uh Lenara how much time to spend with her and they gradually fall closer and closer together as they build this artificial wormhole it's very actually plot line it's mostly entirely character stuff like they build the wormhole it, it succeeds once and they get closer they go out for dinner they start talking to each other and they like keep feeling driven toward each other uh Dax gets ready to maybe like throw out all of Trill society because she loves this woman so much um and she's like you know they kiss uh and um and then they go out on another expedition to like send something through the artificial wormhole and the the, there's like a reaction to the shields and it creates a graviton wave and basically leads to a situation where um Everything is exploding uh, and uh, Dax has to like run into the engine rooms and save Lenara uh, from certain doom and decides from there that she doesn't care about Trill society. She will throw it all away in order to never be separated from Lenara again. Uh, she is ready to do this, but Lenara unfortunately refuses and is too scared uh of the um consequences and does not want to be exiled from trill and is like oh i might maybe i'll i'll think i'll just go back to trill and think it over and the uh, Dax is like if you get on that shuttle you know that you're never coming back and she like waits for her by the shuttle to see whether she's going to get on or not and the episode ends as she leaves the station and dax is once more alone that's what happened in the episode That's the summary's done
1: is there no b plot in this episode
0: no, I mean, the, the B-plot is the, the... Oh, the, the wormhole um, stuff, right. Yeah, that is like... Because the, the actual plot is mostly just scenes of them going, oh, should we... Should, there's actually very little that happens in this episode. Uh, there's her brother and her boss who are concerned with like, oh, you don't want to go do the bad thing. You know you don't want to do the bad thing now. Yep.
1: Uh, um. So, yeah. A couple background notes of this episode. Uh, One, this episode was in part written to explain, like, why the Trill are not just, like, weird vampire royals who, like, live forever and hang out with their friends who've been friends for 10,000 years or whatever. Um, (laughs) Yes. Because if you don't have the thing where they have to go meet new people every time, Trill Society grinds to a halt and is very weird. Uh,
0: It's already very weird and grind to a halt, so...
1: Um, this is the third on-screen lesbian kiss in at least American television. Uh, Wikipedia has a list because there was a 90s fad of lesbian kiss episodes. This is the third one. So kind of before it was a trope. Uh, but um, uh, there was... a. Uh, what was it? Uh Avery Brooks directed this episode and there was like Entertainment Tonight wanted to film the kiss as like, "Oh, look at this. We're d- doing the the, the crazy they're doing this crazy shit on Star Trek." And Avery Brooks was like, "You cannot be on set. Please fuck off." Uh because Avery Brooks <laughs> is yeah, a Avery good Brooks. person. Yes. There yeah, he is. Uh there was uh obviously some uh blowback culturally about this episode from people uh the Star Trek creators were like look they did it in the original Star Trek with an interracial kiss we're doing it here this is what Star Trek's about we should uh we should b- push the boundaries of progress and then they did not have gay characters for another fucking 25 years
0: <laughs> Well, no. so what happens actually at the ending of this episode is hilarious because uh, she's like I'm re- I love you so much you can't leave me and she like sadly looks at her and walks away and it's like a very sad shot of that because it fades to black and then goes produced by Rick Berman yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's very funny. Yes. <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh. But yeah, this is I'm the this what? is the this is the lesbian
0: episode of DS9. I I don't know. Yep. It is known for that. It is weird. So it's weird because uh the episode is like is simultaneously extremely like isn't this a crazy thing look we're talking about how you like this this taboo around love but it's not the actual taboo in real life because we're past that it's another unrelated alien taboo yes um but also the act like because they do it like that the like if you didn't know how crazy this was at the time it doesn't really come off as that weird but like, like i feel like that's a good thing for the show yes no that's what i mean i yeah. that that like i was expecting it to be way more of a event episode look yes. at this uh but like partially like i think the directing of this episode is incredible there's a lot of like really well done shots um so I, I think that like things that could be melodramatic are pushed away from that yeah so uh shout out to Avery Brooks, i guess yes um because and the reason i said that is because i think i don't like necessarily think the acting of that episode's great in this episode's great i was definitely watching this going right they got really lucky with tng didn't they yes
1: <laughs> yes they did <laughs>
0: Like, oh, no one here is Jonathan Frakes. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah. Uh, I mean, like, I just got done watching Deep Space Nine. We didn't really talk about this. I finished watching Deep Space Nine with my partner. Um, we had a conversation about it on Your Faves of Never, where she talks about how she much preferred Dad Zia to Ezri, And I feel like she's out of her damn mind because, uh, Terry <laughs> Feller, not a particularly great actress, never had much material to work with outside of like this and one a couple more episodes. But, oh boy.
0: Dax is not a good
1: character, and it's not well written, and it's not particularly well acted.
0: Now, Dax, we should probably get this out of the way before we get into what this episode's about, but Dax kind of sucks, the Trill kind of suck, none of it makes any damn sense. So every one of these episodes is, like, doing its best, right, in a flawed framework. Yes. Um, Because the Trill fucking suck.
1: Uh, I think the book we're about to read makes them really interesting in ways that I wish the shows could do, but can't because you can't make a th- thing span that much time in a show. But
0: yeah, same. But even then, it's still a bit limited because. Uh, so you'll remember this: is the Trill being a slug a, like a shock in TNG? Is that why they have to like hide?
1: Um, it's kept secret. It's like a thing they don't really like to talk about.
0: But by this time they are talking about it openly in DS9. So is it in that TNG episode that like everyone finds I out?
1: think part of it is that they live on a station with a very outspoken tr- trill who's been joined like a like seventh host symbiote. Like I think it's I think it's they locally know a lot about Dax because Dax is a very fourth right, and I bet that's not true everywhere.
0: Okay. I don't know. I I got the impression that like after the TNG era, everyone knows what trills are. Probably probably like Probably Beverly
1: Crusher filed a brief about it or whatever, but that doesn't mean everybody read it and like understands now. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of aliens in space, Jackson. You can't be expected to know everything about everyone.
0: I just, I just would have to go back to the TNG episode. I, I think that is like a shock to her, and is. Me- I think the reason half of that book spent well, that's with the book, but like the reason the Trill like arc of society has to go the way it does is to preserve the plot of a bad TNG episode. <laughs> But also, anyway.
1: like the Trill are generally like every time you meet someone who isn't Jed, isn't Dax, they're like, "Oh, we don't talk about these things."
0: Yeah, no, they suck. They're all like, "Oh, we are, we're just very reserved and to ourselves," which is I feel like the opposite of what would happen if you actually lived for twenty lifetimes.
1: No, I don't think that's necessarily true.
0: Also, I think the
1: implication is that Dax is a like especially long-lived host that is off planet because most of them stay on tr- on Trill. Mm-hmm. Like Dax is, meant, is seen as like an aberration in that Dax always goes out and does some weird shit, and nobody else does. Like most like people, just some people. Yeah, most of them <laughs> just stay on planet and live in their artistic, fancy lad society.
0: Uh, I'm reading. I'm reading the summary for the host, which is the TNG episode. And yes, it is a twist in that the Crusher had no idea that the species were yes uh, it had a had a symbiote in them. Okay, but yeah, so the episode itself is. I, also, I feel like it's, there I, aren't very many joined Trills. No, there are not.
1: So, you like, if you encounter Trill, you probably don't encounter joined ones very often.
0: But their entire society revolves around the joined Trill divide.
1: Yeah, but there's a whole episode about how, like, 90% of Trills could be joined, but only 10% are because there's only that many symbiotes around to join with them.
0: I, was, it ten, was it as many as 10%?
1: It might be less than that even, but yeah.
0: Yeah, I like, yeah. Okay.
1: It is a small fraction of society. Like, there aren't that many slugs around to put in people.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, like, all the stuff about trails, like, I feel like a lot of people filling in gaps. Because c- it comes from a very bad episode of TNG. Yes. <laughs> like, it's a a thing that had to be carved into something interesting, which is actually a lot of Star Trek, right? Yes. <laughs> um, anyway. Uh, The episode itself uh, rejoined. I I liked it. I thought it was fine. I didn't like, you know, I thought it could have been way worse and more obnoxious than it was about the, um, you know, very 90s. Like, look, the women are doing a kiss now.
1: Uh, The one thing I do like about this episode a lot, and I do think it's as far as Jadzia episodes go, which are generally pretty bad. I think this is one of the better ones. Um, Mm -hmm. I Also, like, this is still when they're kind of playing it Bashir and Jadzia maybe being a thing. And Bashir just gets owned throughout this episode.
0: Oh, I saw this as like playing on because I haven't been. I didn't see it in the context of DS Nine again. I've I watched it once. I've watched DS Nine. Obviously, I've seen it all, but I wasn't watching this as a part of a rewatch. So I I just saw this as like, oh, Bashir still has those feelings, but he knows he's fucked, and he's just gonna coast along on the fact that he's too nice to be. No, that is
1: that is entirely Bashir's arc. It's been Bashir's arc since about season two. It continues to be Bashir's arc into season seven.
0: (laughs) Oh, it's so good.
1: (laughs) Yes. (laughs)
0: <laughs> just him being like you know i know i've got no chance with you but also i'm bashir so i'm not gonna say no i'm just gonna like let myself get trodden by you and dax is like can you please please just let yourself get owned? And he's like fine i'll let myself get owned
1: <laughs> uh quark is also the same way they both are like kind of in awe of dax and just let dax walk all over them and dax knows she's doing it but enjoys doing it too much to stop
0: <laughs> yeah uh quark's good uh yep
1: But yeah, this episode in my memory is like a pretty solid episode, given that it could be an insufferable like issue episode and ends up just being about like a relationship and interior lives of characters and actually pulls it off when Star Trek is often kind of bad at
0: hmm yeah like it's it's strange because like star trek is maybe the least sexy series of all time so whenever yes. you are meant to have an episode that's like entirely about the magnetic love of these two characters it always comes off a little wooden because yep. you know i mean like the closest we had to this thing like working incredibly well was um shit what was it called the the the, the uh, tom riker episode uh
1: uh tom riker episode i do not remember the name of it <laughs> um miss your you know, like, riker my two Rikers.
0: <laughs> but that one like Works entirely off the strengths of uh, Jonathan Frakes and Marina Sirtis. Is it literally? Uh, is it called Second Chances? That
1: can't be right. Like,
0: is it called? Se- I also think Second Chances. So it has to be that it is literally called Second Chances. God, TNG. God, t- <laughs> <laughs> oh, do, do you like the fact that we're in a series that now has fucking names like Into the Forest, I go? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. No. Um. And so when you're like having one of those shows that doesn't have as that strong. Uh, and still has to like the entire thing as these magnetic character work uh it, it does okay for considering it but it, i i feel like there's not you know it feels a little wooden in spots the actual the most moving scene i think was the one between um dax and cisco mm-hmm. uh where he's like telling her off like he starts by being very strict on her and saying if you do this you're going to completely fuck up your life uh she's like why would you why would you be like so why would you of all people come to me and tell me that i'm going to throw away said, because someone needs to remind you of what was worth and if you think about that properly and say that it's like actually worth it then of course i'm going to stand with you and it's a very like well done scene and very moving yeah um I, th- I in my memory i remember this the friendship between cisco and dax being kind of weird but um maybe it was actually good all along i don't i I like it a lot it starts off on
1: kind of weird but i feel like it settles mostly on the back of avery brooks being incredible
0: (laughs) yes yes (laughs) damn right about that yes (laughs) Uh, because i'm like there was a relationship there but i can't remember much other than him saying old man a lot (laughs) yes uh but no episode was fine i think the ending could have been I don't like. I I didn't buy her. I just felt very arbitrary. Like I'm just going to go back because that's what how this episode has to end. Well,
1: let me tell you about a show called Star Trek, where at the end of 45 minutes, everything <laughs> has to be reset for the next episode.
0: Yes, but like DS9 is the show that builds a reputation on that not being true, even it, though it, it is true mostly most of the time. true in
1: Deep Space Nine too. It is not. It is not Discovery until the very end. It's not Enterprise season three at all. Basically. uh... It's just not that show. Like, it's still just Star Trek. Like, as much people want to sell this show as, like, this is the show that broke the mold.
0: Nah, most most of it's just Star Trek still. I'm trying to think of the occasions where it did break the mold, and I can think of, like, once. I mean, in this form. Like, the episode that looks like a regular episode, but then it has huge consequences, and it's fucking Bashir being genetically modified. Yeah. (laughs) Like, that's the one. Yep. Uh, But, yeah. No, aside from that, I, I had don't have more to say it was fine also
1: huge ramifications mean like three section 31 episodes and the two episodes with the rest of the modifieds who are embarrassing and
0: awful so yes, I,
1: and I and the opening really... of season six where bashir is unreasonably hot in a human computer
0: <laughs> I, al- I almost sent the picture of um i was having a conversation about how hot bashir was today someone's like um oh, i was like being self-deprecating about how i'm basically like if bashir wasn't hot and they were like oh you're hot too i was like i get it but please look at this picture of Bashir in fucking uh, episode one of season six just look at this yeah it's
1: unreasonable (laughs) It's,
0: it's yeah it's not fair Uh, (laughs) but yeah they did not capitalize on the Bashir thing and that's the one where they do do something Uh, god the Bashir thing is more in my brain than I think because it's a huge thing to his character
1: but I guess he doesn't really change that much yeah no well Brian makes him stand back when they play darts (laughs) (laughs) yeah he does yeah (laughs)
0: Uh, So, what is our other episode?
1: Our other episode is Field of Fire. This is from Season 7, Episode 13. This aired the 10th of February, 1999. It was written by Robert Hewitt Wolfe and directed by Tony Dow. It takes place the year 2375...
0: Jackson, tell me about Ezri and Durandax. Oh, yeah! Durandax, everybody! So, uh, the episode begins with everyone toasting uh, Hector Ilaria, who is only 22 years old and yet two days before retirement. Uh, he's like, oh you did so well on Defiant, everyone. You, like Bashir's giving him a full on toast, O'Brien's being like. Yes, oh, he hey. he's
1: everyone's best friend, and so you immediately see that he is marked for death. <laughs>
0: Just immediately. Uh, and also he's like <laughs> he's like, oh anything for you, Ilari, anything. He's like, Well, can I join you two on the holodeck? <laughs> and Bashir and they're like no never that is a sacred ground, my son. Yes. <laughs> how dare you even request such a thing? And he's like, how could? Like, well, that's mean. And then it, he turns. Doesn't this back have the to- scene
1: where uh, Kira's all like, no, I haven't even been there.
0: <laughs> yeah, no. He then turns to Kira and Ezra and they're like, yeah, no, don't worry. This is literally everyone. You're <laughs> yeah. not. You're not. You're, they're not dunking on you. This is. They're just that weird about it. Nope. <laughs> Um anyway, he he's he's drinks for ages and Ezreal walks him back to his quarters and uh, he tries to fucking hit on him with a like Will uh Churchill line. I forgot Churchill's first name i was gonna say William Churchill.
2: Uh, <laughs> he, he tries Williams to hit on Killiamson him. With,
0: Churchill. <laughs> I mean he was not William Gilliamson. <laughs> oh yeah, he tries to hit on her with a fucking Churchill quote. Yeah. It's embarrassing. Um and so she's like, ah, oh, I'm leaving you now. Walks away. Wakes up in the next morning as all the like security are running around. like, what's happening? <gasps> he's dead.
1: Yep. He's been shot through the heart. You're too late. And no one knows the You give blame. love a bad name. <laughs> Do
0: you know the lyrics to that song? No, not that well. <laughs> okay. <sighs> anyway. Uh, this sets up one of my favorite episode like types in Star Trek, which happens surprisingly little, where it's just a crime investigation. Just investigate a crime. Everyone comes around and looks at the bottom like, oh, this was done with a Federation TR-116 prototype rifle, which was in, in use before, uh, like before Phasers um yep. and everyone and odo's like oh we we need to find out who this was it had to have been a staffy officer because only they would have access to the replica pattern yes replicator pattern
1: but also odo knows that it has to been weird because there it, it was like a point blank shot but there's no powder burns on the subject and sisters like, how do you know that And is like i've been reading 20th century crime novels
0: <laughs> yes he does say that yeah. oh odo is so on his bullshit
1: you yep. know Anyway, everyone mourns Lario, and then uh, like he just uh, took Bashir and <laughs> O'Brien
0: are like, "Oh, maybe we should have let him go to the Alamo. Maybe he wouldn't be dead." <laughs> <laughs> even though then they would have just taken him home, and he'd be dead. Yes. Uh, so everyone is investigating, and no one knows what to do. And she's like, "Oh, I, I have an idea of what to do, well, but I can't." Cisco asked her.
1: It. Cisco asked her to do like a psychological
0: profile of the killer, right? Because they don't have any clues. Yes. He's like, "Do you? Ha- we need to narrow the field down. How was your psycho- uh, like, murder psychology, basically?" And she's like, I, d- "I didn't like that in school very much."
1: I'm a, <laughs> I'm a counselor trainee, Benjamin. <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs> yeah,
0: but, no, I'm not, I'm not anymore, Benjamin. Um, and she's like, "Oh, I, I guess there's something I could do, but I don't know." Yeah. But then another uh staff officer is killed uh, with exactly the same circumstances, and she decides, "I have to do it. I have to um, like." Uh, perform the right of emergence. Is yes. that a thing that has existed before? Or is this the thing they made up for this episode? I mean, she? they they did
1: that episode and they did that thing in facets where she basically like in like invested her personalities in all the crew. So that was a great. Episode. There's some there's a lot of weird shit you can do with trill magic in Star Trek. It,
0: it is. I always ashamed that like the like I never thought that you could like bring the people back, but you can I mean, when the plot this is specifically
1: it. like basically her hallucinating him. By letting, like, that personality yes. give rise in her body or whatever.
0: So basically, yeah, she brings up all the memories that have been, like, suppressed by, you know, all the stuff that happened with Duran. If you don't know who Jaran Dax is, well, you're about to find out. Duran Dax is the Dax, the, the murder Dax. It's the murder Dax. It's
1: the Dax that Jadzia or, like, Kurzon had repressed because he no. got the symbiote he- and then murdered, like, three people and it shouldn't have happened. And he's, like, a weird Hannibal Lecter man in that he, like was a musician who murdered people. It's the most on its bullshit thing that's ever happened in Star Trek.
0: Yeah. And so they find out that the um the killer has been killing using a like transporter that is like a mini transporter that you attach to the bullet and you shoot it out of the rifle and then you transport the bullet like right in front of who you're shooting and then it like hits them point black range so that is how uh he has been killing and it means he can be killing from anywhere well they're like the how would they know how to
1: how he found his targets and they're like well one of these and he pulls down like a weird laser tag visor toy <laughs> definitely
0: looks like a laser tag toy yes. and they know this because o'brien shoots a melon with it yes. which means you get uh, odo going like ha, ha, look at a melon <laughs>
1: <laughs> have i told you odo's my least favorite ds9 character i have
0: Oh, look! He's trying. He's grumping over this melon, (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, and so as as we like find like creates the gun put the thing on and joran's like if you're going to find this killer you have to think like a killer and like esri then like has the gun in her hand she's scrolling through people's quarters and spying on them and joran's like feel how powerful you are pull the trigger do it give in to your murder dax
1: well yeah he's like how do you feel doing this she's like cold dispassionate he's like yes our killer is also cold and dispassionate she's like
0: that must mean he's a Vulcan. <laughs> That's a bit later, but yes. Because <laughs> that, that, that isn't then, because the, the way that goes is that she says, um, so that happens, she's like, oh, I still know closer to finding the killer. So then they go back to the murder scenes uh, to find out what could possibly be the link and realizes that in all of these um, all of these uh, quarters has been pictures of laughing families or friends or something just laughing faces in pictures and he's like who could hate laughter this much but a Vulcan and this happens in like act 3 so you're like okay it's clearly not a Vulcan Uh, but it is she runs into a Vulcan and it's that guy well she also (laughs)
1: like then she's like oh we need to investigate every Vulcan on the station and like she's just like leery around all Vulcans apparently now and it's just like the most broad. Ezra is now a cop who racially profiles in this episode as a thing that happens and is not remarked
0: upon. But then immediately bumps into the, um, into the actual Vulcan and Joran's like, it's him, you know it's him, trust your killer instincts. And then she goes, are you a killer? Basically, it doesn't actually say that, but pretty much does that, like, voice breaking and everything. Uh, it's incredible. And then he immediately goes back into his, like, room and starts looking her up, uh, while she's, like, looking at him through her gun, trying to keep tabs on him. And then he's he's like, kill him before he kills you. Kill him, Dax. Do the murder. Uh, as he's like picking up his rifle and turning it towards her, because apparently, even though <laughs> it doesn't matter where he's aiming, that's how they've decided to communicate this. Yes. Um, and she turns towards his sight, and then she pulls the trigger, shoots him through the shoulder, and he misses his shot, and his shot like makes um, like steam hit out a vent behind them. Yeah. And then she goes, "Oh, we missed the bit in the middle of this where she tried to stab a man.
1: God, I forgot about
0: that. Yeah, I also forgot about that. There's a brief bit in the middle of this where she tries to stab man. There's someone in Quark's being chased uh, who she thinks is the killer because he's like a suspect or he's uh, being arrested for re- replicating TR 116 rifles. But it turns out he's just a weapon collector. And she's like, Oh, sorry about trying to stab him. I thought he was the killer, Benjamin. And Benjamin's like, Hmm. We don't stab else killers. You want to tell me? <laughs> Why would you stab someone, Dax? Is anything going on? She's like, No. I'll be fine. Let me solve the case, and he's like, "Okay, that sounds legit,"
2: because
0: yeah. <laughs> otherwise there wouldn't be a plot. Um, anyway, so she she takes out the uh the Vulcan, and he's like, "Why?" She's got that gun over, got a gun over him, going, "Why would you do it? Why?" And he goes, "Because logic demanded it." <laughs> <laughs> yes which is the most generic nothing idea for a Vulcan to do anything uh, uh, I, I don't know it's... if you've looked
1: at the many books we've written or read at this point about Vulcans doing stupid shit because logic demanded <laughs> it that is the most accurate a Vulcans <laughs> thing that's ever happened
0: but like it, it, it says in the making of that they wanted to show this as like a shocking conclusion because no one would expect a Vulcan to break under the pressure of the Dominion War that should show just how bad the Federation has, has got when literally this season begins with a Vulcan breaking over of a fucking baseball. Yes, so. <laughs> that is true. Also, um, Vulcans will do all sorts of heinous shit as long
1: as they think it's logical to do so. Like they're the fucking worst. Yeah, goddamn Vulcans. The problem with having seen Enterprise and Discovery is that you believe Vulcans are capable of absolutely anything.
0: <laughs> they sure are. Yeah, I am the Enterprise Vulcan. Arc. It's great. They suck. Yeah, they suck a lot. <laughs> they suck a lot. Uh, but now. Ezri is like oh I've done it but now I have like used you in this rite of emergence I will never be able to suppress you again you will always be part of me the memories will be near the surface I must accept that I have a killer inside me
1: <laughs> yeah Uh,
0: it's oh it's a stupid episode it's
1: a really dumb episode
0: I it I is. said uh, I said on private watching this that this is just an Enterprise episode I mean that in the nicest way <laughs> uh, you know that's fair it is yeah
1: yeah, no. Uh, it reminds me of Voyager a lot, but yes, like Enterprise is also accurate.
0: <laughs> yes, I haven't watched Voyager. I assume yep. there's a overlap there. Yeah. Um, especially one of the actual weirdest things is watching these episodes back to back and realizing how much TV has changed in even the four years. Yes. Because uh, like everyone is so much snappier and it's less arch. Like Star Trek, even in season four, DS nine is still very you know. Uh, we're going to be back and forth and do our literary illusions and speak in a very, like, non-realistic way and just act at each other. Uh, and this has way more, like, quippy dialogue and everything. It's a 1999 television show. Yes. Buffy was on, the West Wing was on. Yep. Uh, this was that era and Star Trek has to adjust. Yes.
1: Um, uh, also, it's an Esri episode, which means it's way better than a Jed Z episode. I don't care how bad the actual episode is, because Esri's the <laughs> yep. best.
0: Yeah, no, even the one where she goes home. <laughs> well... I don't know what you guys time, but yes.
1: That one in revisiting it is great because it's full of O'Brien's uh, Fallout of the arc where he went undercover to try to weed out the Orion syndicate. <laughs> he did Right!
0: God, <laughs> de- <laughs> oh there's a I'm lot of weird of the,
1: stuff in
0: ds9 i'm glad that one of the early episodes we covered on this show was uh the second 31 one where the plot was just a guy coming up to bashir and going you're clearly a spy look at all the things you've done and bashir's like i'm just a main character yes. i'm sorry <laughs> weird shit happens to me every week there's 26 <laughs> of these a year yeah. god uh yeah no it's incredibly stupid we like our stupid star trek it's no masks
1: no, it's, but it's no mask. It's masks. not as funny. Uh the stuff where she's where they're like, "Oh, let's just make up a profile all the Vulcans on the station and we'll just narrow it down from there." It's just really weird. The fact that like I get why a producer's like, "Let's make it a Vulcan, that would be crazy." But her like making the leap to he hates laughter. That's not what Vulcans are. Vulcans don't hate emotion. They just try to suppress theirs. That's not the same thing. Yeah, no, this like that doesn't
0: that doesn't make any sense. Yep. Like I would
1: it makes more sense that it'd be like a Cardassian who hates like humans laughing or something, right? Like it makes more sense if it
0: would be a human, honestly. Yes. Yeah. Uh but the, yeah, I don't I don't understand. Yep. Because uh, it's very clearly written by uh unmade by a team that does not make cop shows. Yes. <laughs> uh so it's just the broadest, most clumsy episode of a cop show of all time. Absolutely. But I am I will accept it cuz I like a good uh, deep space nine investigation episode. Yeah. Like originally this was going to be another Odo investigation episode, but then we realized we did that like 12 times. Yep.
1: There's a really good Kira investigation episode where she's looking for someone who's killing off like her Bajoran comrades from that her That one's great. Yeah, her Terracel, that's a really good episode.
0: Is that like season 1?
1: No, it's like season 3. Four or something like that. Four or five. I oh, think. Well, the,
0: God! Kira's is the best character. Yes. On the side. <laughs> yes. Why yes. is she get? Why does she fuck Odo? Ooh,
1: look, all look. <laughs> by the time it happens, you're like, oh, I'm so happy she's happy because nothing good has ever happened to Kira and Reese.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <sighs> Do you have anything more about *Fury Fire*? No, let's roll. talk about this book. Let's talk about this book.
2: Out of the tree of life, I just picked me a plum You came along and everything started to hum Still it's a real good bet, the best is yet to come
0: for this month's book, we are talking about The Lives of Dax, which came out in 1999 with a revised edition in 2002, which is the one we're reading, uh, which is a short story anthology edited by Michael Palmieri uh, and written by a whole bunch of writers. Uh, is obviously nine short stories yep. for all of The Nine Lives of Dax. Uh,
1: going through that book that's about the Star Trek books and talking to the authors, yes. Michael Palmieri seems like the key person in making these DS9 books
0: good. <laughs> Yep, So no, yeah, like he is clearly the guy. Like the relaunch seems like it's his baby. So yo, good
1: job. This relaunch is cool. Uh,
0: this is a bunch. Uh, this
1: book obviously is a bunch of stories about each of Dax's symbiotes or uh, hosts or whatever. Um, but it's introduced with the framing device of Ezri, uh, talking about a, or in the the fallout of a bad date with Bashir. <laughs> Who's good for see? Yeah, Bashir's like gone doing stuff and so she's just wandering around uh Vic's hologram thing. She's just she's just like in a junkyard outside of Vegas. I don't understand how she walked all the way outside of Vegas and is like in the desert.
0: <laughs> it suggests that like holograms have like a subtext routine? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Don't <But> worry. Like, <laughs> when we come back around to this
1: framing device, uh, they literally put the words in Ezri's mouth. Maybe Vic is more than a hologram. Maybe he's magic or something. And it's the dumbest thing on earth.
0: No, that's the whole. That's not the whole point. Is he's not more than a hologram? The whole point is that's what hologram ugh.
1: yes. Uh, as much right. as we enjoyed the uh, Reeve Stevens' attempt at turning William Shatner's ego into a plot, <laughs> uh, they are really bad when it comes to writing this stuff. Uh, uh, I can't wait. They have a whole trilogy. There's like an alternate universe take on DS9.
0: I mean, the, the DS9 stuff's fine. It's just the hologram thing that's really like goes. Against oh, I every- feel I feel like the way they write Ezri is also really fucking bad. It's not great. I don't know. Ezri at this point isn't that well. World- Ezri in the books becomes good because of what they do to her. Like this hasn't. This having hasn't, having like, just watched all of
1: season seven of DS Nine, there is more to Ezri than I had thought.
0: Th- th- there is, but um, I don't know. Like book Ezri gets very defined very quickly by like what she wants to do. Yes. That isn't here yet. Anyway, she tells a story that she has not
1: told anyone about uh, when the USS Destiny was called to DS9 to get the Dax symbiote back to Trill when Jadzia had been killed. Uh, Her and another uh, Trill were on board, and there was some question of who was going to be... Given the symbiote and it was going to be the other guy, but then there was a changeling that was on board the ship and tried to take it over. And that guy was assumed dead, even though it turns out that he wasn't. And they had to put it into Esri because there was no time, and Dax was dying. Uh and so it was all a bigger mistake than anyone could have foreseen. But actually, this doesn't mean anything. It's not actually that
0: interesting. <laughs> um, it's just like, oh, I, I. There was actually another trail there all along, which apparently is mentioned in the show. This guy. Yeah, I don't remember this at all. Uh, Memory Alpha says he was. uh, They almost hooked up and then he was like...
1: Starfleet officer. It doesn't really... Oh, yeah, I guess so. Uh, the parts where they're like
0: offhand, like a lot of, so, book is- yes,
1: they mention that she's on, that he was another Trill on the, De- on the destiny with her, but they don't mention, like she literally says in the opening of season seven, I was the only Trill aboard. So that just retcon that in this book is to explain that retcon.
0: Excellent. Good stuff. Uh, that is, there are a lot of Star Trek books that are just built out of, like, a couple of lines of shows. You yep. know, what's your, um, uh, what was that tweet about, uh,
1: like, literally hundreds of million dollars spent to explain how less than 12-part <laughs> sex works?
0: <laughs> oh, I, I often, it was like, I often think about, like, how much money, time, like, pages have been spent, uh... Entirely because George Lucas doesn't know what parsecs are. Yeah, like it's incredible. Like that's clearly where that came from. Is like he said that and didn't know what it means, and then they had to fucking like put black holes into a universe. Oh, so funny. <laughs> but yeah, it's that kind of stuff. Yeah,
1: so, this also implies that there's like a bunch of stories about like. Uh, basically a whole army of changelings that infiltrated the federation during the dominion war that no one ever talks yes. about which
0: i hate they, i hate it they say that like it's, it's it's policy not to mention dominion uh like changeling attacks during the war because it might lower morale if people are worried that like there might be changelings infestating our ranks and one of the good things about the S nine was that it never became about oh, are only there are changelings infiltrating our ranks because that's well, really boring. That
1: was a plot point, and it turned out that that was just like fear mongering drummed up by the Federation to try to gain power over the civilian government. Yeah,
0: <laughs> like it ended up being the, like the interesting version of that. Yeah, um, and they never re- like they did a couple things with it, like the uh, was it the Garon stuff or was it Mar- who Garon or Martok? Which one was the actual change thing?
1: Martok was a
0: changeling. I forget the way Bashir
1: also was a changeling briefly. Yes,
0: I know, because I always, I just haven't watched that bit. So I'm like, God, I should just watch DS9 again, but I don't fucking Uh,
1: And then there's the changeling that might actually be, no, that wasn't the Bashir changeling. I don't think the one that Odo killed that got him like Mm -hmm. excommunicated. I think I was just, just just yeah. Uh, Yeah. So there are some, but it's implied that there are very few. And by the end of DS9, there's like the female changeling and Odo and that one guy who's part of the 100 that Odo meets, and that's it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, because for as much as the changelings are like, mechanically in their construction, like, perfect for infiltrating ranks and taking over things by, uh, like, espionage. And they do that sometimes. They're mostly... About we have so much force that we don't have to give a shit. Oh, you
1: know, what's you know, what's actually interesting. They talk in the episode where Bashir goes into the, into the mind of uh, Sloan. Uh, when he's like in the room full of secrets that Sloan offers them to try to trap him in his dying mind. He like finds a list of changing infiltrators in the president of the Federation's cabinet, which implies something that never pays off in all of Star Trek. Shit. Yeah. <laughs> but it could huh. just be Sloan making shit up also. Like who
0: can say I bet there's a book that builds on that. Yes. That <laughs> seems like a thing they would go to. Yeah. Huh, weird. Yeah.
1: There's a lot of uh, threads left hanging by the end of DS9
0: that these books still haven't picked up yet. They will. There's yeah, a lot they of
1: will. them. Uh,
0: so, yeah, so there's uh, how much do you want to spend on this store? Cuz basically it's not much it. happening. That's that's all we got. <laughs> well, the only funny thing is that there is a bit where <laughs> Ezri does something very un-Esri-like, which is like be very assertive and try to like and just, just throws herself at someone and tries to make out with them, uh, which I'm like, hey and why would I actually be doing this? But it's entirely to set up another Ezri getting owned situation in reverse, where it turns out that's actually a changed thing all along. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's true. I was
0: like I was like, this she would she is the one who is to be owned. She doesn't like take charge of the situation and like get what she wants, especially at this point in her arc. What is she oh, okay, okay, fire fine. She has to act out of character to get owned in a different direction. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the Reeve Stevens are not DS Nine experts. Yeah, <laughs> they have that entire DS Nine trilogy. Shit, we should read. God, right? You're right. Yep. Mm.
1: Anyway, uh, then we have the. Then she's like, "I will tell you, Vic Fontaine, about the lives that I have lived. I will tell you about all nine of them." <laughs> and and at which point you look at the page and go, Jesus uh and the first one is about lila dax it is called first steps it is by christine Catherine Rush, who has written uh some like short stories she wrote like an, a captain's table one she also wrote section 31 shadow which is about seven of nine which i can't wait to get to someday
0: fuck shit i need to watch voyager
1: <laughs> um this is about lila dax the first dax symbiote she is part of the trill like government committee uh and they have just recently made first contact the Vulcans showed up and the trill are like oh wait we're not alone in the universe Hmm, we don't like that
0: maybe we're just not gonna go out into space <laughs> the the uh default position of every star trek race that isn't humans you know- what if, what if we don't
1: go into space?
0: (laughs) And then humans just kick the door and be like, Hey, what's up?
1: Yeah. Uh, So they have been very xenophobic and they're kind of standoffish with the Vulcans, even, even though Vulcans are like the most respectful people you could possibly have first contact with. Uh, But then a strange ship shows up in the skies and everyone's like, we can't talk to them. We're going to send out our message to please leave us alone. And then just wait. And leela Dax is young and uh, progressive in a conservative government. She's like, "No, we should talk to them, see what they want. Maybe they need something. Maybe they need our help." And it causes uh, political strife and catastrophe when it turns out that these people were going to—they wanted a some mineral that they have on Trill, and they're going to take it one way or another, and they do by killing a bunch of people. Yep. And then Lilo's like, "Oh, did I do the wrong thing?" Because she like contacts the Vulcans to ask them for help, and then they send they say uh, they send it too late because they didn't ask the Vulcans until it was too late. They said, "Oh, this is what this race is. Uh, if they if you don't give them what they're asking for, they're going to like start attacking you to get it. That's just who they are." Uh, yeah, and then Leela's like,
0: assumption is that they're like damaged and need help. Yeah. Uh, but the actual truth is that they did need something and it would have been better to contact them, but like they, they were just aggressors in the first place. So it was like a messy situation. Yep. And then it uh she gets talked to by Tapau of all people.
1: <laughs> yep. Because Tapau is the Vulcan emissary, she's like the old lady from uh amok time and uh she's an Enterprise too.
0: Uh yeah, I was gonna say, didn't she show up Enterprise? Yep.
1: Yeah, she's part of that group at the in Season 4 of Enterprise.
0: <laughs> oh, she sure is. Yep. <laughs> Wait! Does that mean that she ends up like... No, no, she's just one of the random ones. No, Zipal's the one who cured T'Pol
1: of her Pinar Syndrome stuff.
0: Yeah, but does she just... I forget, I'm remembering, does she become, like, in charge of the government? Yes, the she's episode? the one who
1: takes over. In okay, yes, she's right, one okay,
0: people. yeah, I was gonna say, like, huh.
1: Yes. Anyway... Huh. Um, she's the one who comes and convinces Lila Dax that she did a very brave thing by reaching out and that it's good for people to reach out. And then her rival in the government's like, yes, you should, maybe we should change our ways. And you inspired me, Lila Dax. And we will work together to make our people the best people possible. And I actually really like this one. The politics stuff is good. I wish there were more yep. Star Trek politics books.
0: I agree. This one is very good. That's yep. one a
1: lot. Uh, if this whole episode was just, or if this whole book was about Trill being like a weird xenophobic culture that's trying to get over itself, I would have been fine reading that.
0: I would have had a good time. Mm-hmm. The next one is Tobin's story, which is called "Dead Man's Hand" by Jeffrey Lang. And Tobin is on a human vessel um, that is trying to develop transporter technology, uh, and the ship is attacked by Romulans, um, which. Everyone's like, oh, weird. They've all got helmets on. We can't see them because they're Romulans. And it's before. <laughs> uh, it's before, uh, you know, uh, that episode of TOS. And no one can see the Romulans. Let, 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 yeah. Yet it is lore by canon. Yes. Uh, and so he and his Vulcan friend, who I forget the name because it's not in this summary, um, but he and his Vulcan friend essentially do, do the regular favourite plot die hard on a spaceship and have to save all his friends. Uh, it's a very simple story. He They save all his friends. Uh, some, like, he, there's a few casualties and he is sad about it. And he's been doing, like, card tricks. Uh, uh, Scone. And... His name is Scone. His name is Scone. Right, yes. He is the father uh, of Sarek. Shit, he is. <laughs> yes. Because I did know that name. Star Trek books. <laughs> yes. They make the universe very small sometimes. I mean, Trill
1: Trill specifically is like a culture that allows it to be a vehicle for shrinking the universe
0: like this. Dax has met everyone. Yes. (laughs) And will meet everyone in the course of this book specifically. Yes. So they, they kick all the Romulans off by like blowing up the ship uh in in two parts like they get everyone to the front of the ship and blow up the back of the ship because he's like uh we shouldn't be able to do this but human ships are just fucking tubes with nacelles yeah so <laughs> in fact uh is, is it tobin who floats idea what if we m- built the ship so it could disconnect like this <laughs> yes yes he says what if we they might in the future need to build ships that can separate the section at the front yeah. for reasons that may never actually be needed in the show um... <laughs>
1: Well, look, uh, if you want to crash the saucer into Verdian 3, you need to separate it from the warp core that's about to go in breach.
0: Yeah, otherwise there'd be nothing left. You Yeah.
1: Uh,
0: yeah, so, th- yeah, they basically perform a manual saucer of separation, uh, and all the Romulans run away when they see the exploding and go off to not be discovered yes. <laughs> somewhere else. Yeah. But this this uh, depicts, like, in a
1: warp 7 ship during the earth Romulan War developing transporter technology for the first time, which... This is a book that came out before Enterprise, because none of this lines up with Enterprise. Yeah, Warp 7 was not achievable during that time. But also, they launched with transporters.
0: Uh, Yeah, no, the Enterprise is the very first transporter. Yep. And Uh, was well before the Earth in War. Do you remember the um, warp limit of the original Enterprise? Because I know, like... The D can do, like, all the way up to 9 point something, right? Like, it's very, very fast.
1: Yeah. Um. The thing with that is that they, like, they basically had to lore reset the warp, like, thing. Because the Enterprise goes to, like, warp 13 at some point. Something ridiculous like that.
0: Well, that's... Well, do you mean the Enterprise is original? Cause yes. The, the, okay um Because the Enterprise D goes to the I end.
1: think they mo- they usually go to like six or seven or something like that. They uh, they're far less interested in attaching numbers to things like that than the than TNG and stuff are.
0: Oh sure, I just assume the Akudas had
1: not TNG- shown up.
0: <laughs> yeah, I assume that by that time the Akudas would have said, "Okay, here's what it basically was, and here's the progression to them." Because I feel like warp seven in that time is a bit fast.
1: Um, no, because the number, like, they basically, like, lore-wise, you have to say, when the original series Enterprise says Warp 7, what they actually mean is what oh, right. the Enterprise D would call, like, Warp 3 or 4.
0: They do it the other way. They yes. just change the number. Like because ten? Because,
1: the, because the number is a, a speed rapidly approaching infinity, where infinity is labeled as 10, the difference between, like, 9 and 9.9 is, like, the difference between anything like the numbers as you go percentage up, like even decimals up at that point get very very fast and so what they have to do is start changing the back end like the lower Just change end the scale, scale. yes
0: yeah. yeah okay that makes more sense mm-hmm. well that's that's warp law warp and one is the
1: speed of light and warp 10 is infinite and what is in between is kind of up to you
0: Yeah, no, Yeah. 10 doesn't mean, it's not like a speed, it's just the infinite. Yes. Which is why when they go to warp 13 and all good things, you get very surly.
1: Yes. Well, they hadn't, they hadn't, I don't know. Look, I try not to think about it. I try not to think about it. It makes me mad. That
0: episode's amazing.
1: I mean, what eventually happened is in those 25 years, they kept resetting the scale. Like, what if we go to warp 20 instead? (laughs) Because then we have more numbers to play with and we don't have to rattle off decimals every time we go fast.
0: That's true. What if they added a third nacelle? Yeah. Uh, what is the next story before you get <laughs> so, too mad about uh, <laughs> the thing i like
1: about this one is it talks a lot about like space was different before humans showed up yes like every like aliens kind of intercommunicate like communicate with each other first contact happened people joined the galactic civilization such as it was then humans showed up and we're like you're all our best friends let's like have <laughs> babies and go into space together and space changed really fast
0: yeah like the it is the subtext of a lot of the 90s track and enterprise makes it like actual the focus of the show it's the good stuff about that show mm-hmm. that like humans in star trek especially in the original series are like the default of which the uh like aliens play off and the alien of the week will have a racial personality trait of some kind this is like the genre of science fiction that we're working in is problematic that may be uh one thing i really like about star trek is that humans are aren't like just people they are also a race in a sci-fi universe that has a very specific definition of what they are and their broad tropes are like obviously they're more uh like they get more to do with them because they're like actual you know, they're just people so yes. like writing them is a bit more you can get away with more but like when you talk about human when you, any two characters who aren't human in the star trek show talk about humans as a race they will talk about something very specific yeah
1: they're shodan protagonist colonialists
0: yeah which is correct (laughs) yes (laughs) (laughs) sounds right yeah god that yeah that scene of them drinking the juice in uh cork's bar yeah uh and then we
1: have the next story which is uh about emony it is called old souls by michael jan friedman uh this is about leonard McCoy mccoy as a young man and his roommate at the academy it's not really clear i assume he's at the academy here
0: he's at the academy yes
1: okay um and uh, his his friend is a guy named Sinat Arvid. He is, like, of a race that I don't think we've ever seen before. I assume they're in, like, 17 books because of that.
0: <laughs> no, I just think that they are in some... Ge- they're a race that has some generic conflict with another race. Uh, yeah, but they, they, they're,
1: like, the- described really specifically as, like, having a weird look. And it doesn't say in this what the race is, but... Uh, it's enough that I'm like, oh, someone wrote this and put them in like six books or whatever. Uh, um, anyway, I'm looking he, now he's part they of like
0: in like one more book.
1: Okay. He's like part of this, like very serious warrior race, whatever. And the, he's like, I have to be good at competition. I have to go and win this gymnastics for my people. And so he goes there and he meets Emily Dex, who is one of the judges and is like the teacher of a young, uh, trill, um, What do you want? A Trill gymnast. Uh, And he's like, oh, she's the most beautiful woman I've ever seen. I need to ask her on a date. Uh, And he does. And they uh, hook up. And that's great and all. And then she tells him about the symbiote. And McCoy is like, wait a second. uh, That's weird. And he freaks out about the idea that she was a man once. And it's really fucking star trek in this moment 90s ass star trek and then mccoy then (laughs) mccoy has this moment where he's like wait a second that doesn't matter she's who she is now and i love her and it's dumb and clearly like written by like a fucking middle-aged man but i guess this is better than we got an actual star trek of this era
0: (laughs) yeah i described it tweeting about the uh mccoy has what can only be referred to as a turf wobble yes Because <laughs> he's like, oh, she's the hottest girl ever! I've ever ever look at how hot she is. God, she's so hot. Wait a minute, Bluh and then runs away, and then was like, oh, sorry, I just forgot how hot you were for a moment. I'm back now. Uh, yeah, though, the the thing he actually
1: tells her is, like, actually good. It's just ridiculous watching this all happen. I didn't realize that Lennon McCoy was, like, woke to trans people. <laughs> but that's basically yeah. what this story is
0: about. <laughs> this story is about him realizing that he should be. Yes. Uh...
1: But part of that is through the story of his gymnastics competition guy hates the <laughs> Trill, and it turns out that the reason this is true is because they learned what the Trill were and are, like, disgusted by it, because the Trill keep joining and the symbiotes are, like, a very well-guarded secret, even though they're now in, like, part of, uh, like, galactic culture. But that's it. Leonard McCoy and Emily Dax hooked up and it's... Also, I she taught like, him how to be a doctor. Yeah, she's like, oh, you, you should be a doctor for sure. Because you like saving lives and you're good with your hands. Wink. <laughs> yeah, wink. <laughs> um, doesn't... I don't remember if Dax mentions that she knows McCoy in Troubles and Tribulations. Do you remember? That they, they, is a good question. She she mentions that Spock is super hot. Because, like, they see Spock and Kirk, and she's like, oh, he's so hot. And she's like, well, Captain Kirk had a reputation. She's like, no, not him. <laughs> you idiot. <laughs> you straight man.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, damn thing true. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't remember. Oh, well. I'm, yes, yes, yes. She does mention that she knew McCoy. She says, um, Dad's recognising having met him when he was a medical student at Ole Miss. Yeah. Uh, so it wasn't the Academy. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently he's a medical student and she's teaching him to be a doctor
1: also. <laughs> well, he, isn't the whole thing that he's like, I, I guess I'm going to be a doctor, but I don't really feel like I should be or whatever.
0: Yeah. Cause he's like, I'm just, I don't know what I want to do with my life. I yeah. don't have any drive. Um because mccoy
1: has and he, that whole like i think mccoy has the same kind of arc as he had i haven't watched all of tos yet he doesn't have he has the same arc that he has in trek o 09 where he became a doctor and then like his he had a divorce and then joined starfleet mm-hmm so uh
0: cisco asked him it was cousin who met him she said it was emony she was on earth judging a gymnastics competition dax tells cisco that mccoy had the hands of a surgeon and she knew he would be a doctor so You're yes right. this was just uh, they made a short story out of two lines of dialogue. Yep.
1: Uh, mccoy is an ally
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. happy pride
1: <laughs>
0: jesus uh you want to talk about the next one the next one is called sins of the mother it is about audrey dax the dax that everyone forgets. is it is it <laughs> yes well
1: no Well, yes <laughs> there's like zero audrey in it. also it's written by sd perry
0: yes sd perry one. Right. Um, uh, also gonna go out ahead and say the formatting of this one sucks if the format of your book is a letter and the letter goes on for more than like a page it's okay you don't need to put it all in italics
1: well they did so
0: uh, it's just like i was like oh this entire short story in italics like oh this, great so
1: this story uh like the ones we've read so far have been okay you know they're, they're fine i had a good time i really like the lila one this one feels yeah. like uh Marco Palmieri went to St. Perry's like this book needs to print in uh, six hours and we don't have anything for Audre. Can you fill time? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, but it's it's fine because S.D. Perry's pretty good. I've enjoyed all that stuff. I need stuff. I I need you
1: to talk about the pa- the parasites from uh conspiracy. I there you go. You can put Pike in it. I don't know. Do something. <laughs>
0: yep. Audred heads out um with Pike.
1: This um, is all in a letter delivered to her strange daughter.
0: Yeah, to her estranged daughter. She heads out with Pike and uh her. Like, her daughter's father, Javin Vod.
1: Yeah. Um, Trill names might be the closest to Star Wars names that exist in Star Trek.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, yeah, she heads out with Ben Quadreneris. <laughs> <laughs> um Uh, And they're going to, like, an asteroid that has some, like, readings on it to basically where they think, oh, maybe we'll get some evidence of where the uh, symbiotes came from. Uh, And then they're going with Pike, and Pike's like, why the Trill on this mission acting so excited and weird? Are you hiding something? And they're like, no. And he's like, alright, well, I just won't ask then. Uh, Should we... Is it dangerous? Are we going to be anyone dangerous? And they're like, no, it's fine. We don't worry about that. We'll we'll tell you that at least. Uh, So they head out on this mission uh, after about ten pages of, like having what's about to happen recounted through like different lenses like I'm sorry for what you're about to tell you I haven't been able to tell you for so long but it's so painful but I don't know what to say but it is such a painful thing like the most (laughs) filling pages that's ever happened Um, and then they they open the door and they're like, "Oh, it's it's a cave. What is this?" And then it's not a trill. It's not like a a descendant of the trill. It's a parasite, and the parasite immediately uh takes control of Javen. Um, like attacks all the other staff, the officers, and the only ones who escape are Audrid and Pike. Um, and they take Javen back, and Uh, like Pike finds
1: out the secret of the trill but obviously he's never going to tell anyone because about, he's about to be able to only communicate in beeps and boops. <laughs> <laughs> yes! He is
0: very, like, right before that. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, they, they, he takes over the parasite. Uh, the, the parasite takes over Javen. Uh, they just succeed, succeed in, like, defeating him, but then they're like, this parasite has fully bonded to both Javen and to the symbiont. We can't, like... Um, separate them, and it is better to let him die. And so this is how her father dies. She's like, I'm sorry, I never told you the truth before. But yep. as, you, as you can understand, it was so hard for me. And I'm reading it like, I, I mean, you're clearly in the right. Yeah. And why you didn't... Sit, not telling her is much worse.
1: Well, I, like, I, specifically, she was part of the Trill symbiotes Commission, and Trill asked her not to say anything. Like, they said, don't talk about this with anyone ever. Yeah, I know. Because the idea that, that something could corrupt the symbiotes is like basically heretical to trill because it's like oh it doesn't matter what happens to the people who are joined as long as the worms survive they're fine they basically live forever and the idea that something could come and take that over is like would upend their entire society and
0: the best part of this is that she doesn't realize that she's like oh and then we'll i'll go back to trill and we'll start working on defense thing and then immediately tells everyone and they go ah shut up you can't say this to us yeah um but then that's what happens there they the letter is read and then they, the mother and daughter reunited. Everything is over. Yep. Then we have Teresa
1: story infinity by Susan, Wright. This is Torres Dax as a hot young hotshot pilot with his wife, Nailani Khan, who we talked about, uh, about an yes, hour ago at this point. Uh, they are testing a trans warp drive that will allow them to reach warp 10, uh, on the shuttle called the Infinity, like, if we get this working, we could put this into the Excelsior and it'll be great. And they're ready for a test. And Terrace's like, I don't know if we're, or I I think we should do it. And Nelani's like, I don't know, should we do it? And some people are like, uh, maybe we should go back and work on the engine again. The simulations aren't positive here. Some uh, people, including Lieutenant Savic. Right. I forgot about Savic <laughs> being in this, uh, God. <laughs> yeah. And no, then right. he's like, wait a second. That just means that the Federation are going to come in and take all this over and take over our research, much like Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. (laughs) Uh, And he's like, no, we have to do it. And then they do the shuttle test on the day and like Admiral Kirk is there watching it and everything. Um, They do the test. It goes poorly. The transporter suit doesn't really save him. Uh, It gets him out, but he is injured beyond repair. They just get Dax out. Uh, and Tarius dies. That's what happens. It's pretty short. It's like uh, the most uneventful one of these. I feel like
2: uh,
0: it is written by the person who I only know because it says in the book that they wrote that like horny Mary universe duology. God, I can't wait to read that. <laughs> yeah, it's meant to be like the love one because dark were, like, talking. passions, dark passions. Yes, <laughs> uh, and it's all about yeah. So this one's all about how much Tyrus and Nilani love each other, and it, you don't really get a sense of that. Just kind of together. Savik's there and you're like, huh? Didn't she die? Oh, wait, no, they made another one. (laughs) What? Every time I remember Savik, I remember her as being the one in six. She doesn't even die in that movie, does she? No, or she, the betrays are not, I know she gets killed, but I remember her being the traitor, but they invented a new character to be the traitor. Yes, (laughs) yes. Uh... Is what I actually meant. Sorry. Yes, but also this there. because it's the
1: Excelsior. It pegs this as before that because the Excelsior is in three. Yes, because the Excelsior okay, tries to know. the Excelsior with Transwarp Drive tries to stop the Enterprise from going back to Genesis Planet and stealing Spock's body.
0: Oh, this really is Forrest Gumping through the entirety <laughs> of <fucking Yes. laughs> Star Trek here. You know, well, let's get rid of all of
1: that Federation shit. You can talk about Jaran.
0: Hell yes. Uh, this story about Joran is called Allegro or "A Boris in D minor by S.D. Perry and Robert Simpson. Uh, it's the shit you want. There is very little plot here. Joran uh, is hanging out on Trill and like flirting with a lady. Uh, but because it's Joran, you know what he's doing. He's here to murder. He is uh, absolutely he- here to murder <laughs> He is out here to murder, and he's like talking to this woman and being just deeply charming and putting it all on, and this like getting close to this woman. Meanwhile, it keeps cutting back to this like really old trail, like old enough to remember what trail society was like before it was what it was now. Yes. Um. The like guard, just the, the
1: guard symbiote, and now in the, Virgil Guard. And if if guard <laughs> sounds familiar, that's because we met a guard in the DS Nine books. That's the person who killed Shakar for having a parasite in him. <laughs> yep. He hit on Rolaren and then killed Shikar.
0: (laughs) Ah, I can't wait to get back. Fuck. (laughs) There's so much going on in those And then used, like,
1: a stealth suit to hide in ops above everyone.
0: (laughs) Shit, that was him, wasn't it? And then he was like, actually, I was the good guy all along. Yep that was all in one book that was like 200 pages long yes because the thing
1: that before we get to the dram stuff the thing that's revealed here is that the guard uh symbiote has taken it upon himself to or on itself to go through history and it's the only symbiote where it'll like when they choose the person to join with it they tell them what the deal is like what this symbiote's all about because they have to agree to basically become like trill's only serial killer
0: hunter for their entire lives <laughs> <laughs> Oh, shit! Yes. I know I com- I've complained a lot about the Trill being lame uh, which they are, but <laughs> the single, like, I'm the single Trill uh, serial killer hunter because we've all agreed to lie to each other that Trill, joined Trill, just don't kill. They're too good. Yep. And I must bear the burden of this secret and investigate all these murders. Yes. <laughs> so it cuts back through him, like, investigating the murders while uh, Joanne's getting close to this woman and he's like, oh, in all the murder scenes there's like a tone being played. It's just a weird dull tone, but to the killer this is music. This is a much better version of Trash Hannibal uh, yes. than Field of Fire. Because <laughs> this
1: is actually just like the, like, uh, who wrote this one? SD and Robert Simpson. One of these people has re- read or written crime books before because this is just like, he's like, oh, let's reconstruct the murder. Hmm, this tone is playing. There's holes in the wall from where someone had like a hollow projector. He was filming this as this person was dying and this tone was playing. And he puts it together that he's like building a scale of notes that are. T- tied to murders to put into his music his one
0: great work of art <laughs> I didn't realize but Robert Simpson is the person who wrote that fourth uh, Mission Gamma novel oh good that's a good book <laughs> yeah that's uh, the one with God and everything oh, good 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 uh, he was uh, Simpson also wants in the of Dax and the developing and plotting the on Dax story uh, however after Simpson struggled to make progress with drafting Palmeri suggests he hand it over to S. D. Perry who just finished it because that's what she does yes <laughs> uh that's fine that's cool that
1: backs up the idea that sd perry was handed that letter to write
0: (laughs) it's like who who of ours who can fucking deliver (laughs) just we know whatever it'll be readable it'll be fine put it in Yep. uh and yeah and so then uh, it turns out while he's flirting with this lady he's actually trying to murder her but then just in time god reaches her and saves her and arrests uh well no kills fucking um Joran, as he's like, basically dies, and he's like, oh, I will live on. She's like, No, you won't even do that, loser. <laughs> as his memory is like suppressed, and he dies knowing he has been truly defeated. <laughs>
2: This no, 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 no. You're right.
1: And it's it's absolutely the best story in the book. I like it a lot. i this I was looking forward to the next one that I have to summarize, which is the one I hate the most. <laughs> yeah. And you didn't plan this very well, did you? I went to memory beta, and in the like uh list of people who are referenced, I'm going to send you this image and then we'll talk about this. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's for the next one? Yes. Yep. Okay, so uh memory beta is a website which is memory alpha but for star trek books so it's, it has way like in memory alpha all the stuff about the books is contained to one apocrypha section so it doesn't become a giant mess of links to everything known to man yes um, memory Beta does not have that limit so if you want all the real bullshit you can get it from there one of the things it has is it's, it breaks down like anything that appears it, uh is featured or it's just like briefly referenced in the books so if, if someone like brings up data but data's not in the book it will appear in the reference section for the next story, which is Curzon's story called The Music Between the Notes, uh, we have this image. It says reference only Miyamoto Masashi, God. <laughs> <laughs> Which is correct. This story fucking sucks. Go So this ahead. is
1: written by Stephen Barnes. It is about Ensign Benjamin Sisko serving as adjunct to Ambassador Curzon Dax on Pelio Station. He's there to observe with his friend Cal Hudson, who is the captain of the starship that ends up uh, defecting to the Maquis. Uh, they are just like these two idiot Ensigns running around as Curzon basically like shakes his head and tries to teach them how to be humans. Uh, it's weird. So Curzon is like in this is depicted as someone who knows everything that's going on. He is just like magically informed of the plot at all times, but won't tell anyone about it because they have to come to it themselves, even at great cost to everyone. Yep. And so it's just him talking to Ben and he's like, you don't understand the situation, young Cisco. I need to tell you everything about everything. And Benjamin's like, yes, I'm listening. Please tell me everything. I can't. You have to find out for yourself (laughs) to the detriment of everything. So the thing at Pele station is there's like a meeting, between the Federation and the, is it the Bactrician or the Aziz? I, I'm i looking at this thing. Which one's the uh, one the, that they're the, talking to? The
0: Bactrician to? are the ones they're going to. The Aziz are the ones on the ship. Okay. It's coming to them. Yes. So they're talking to the Bactrician
1: who are like this very like, uh like buttoned down and xenophobic race or whatever. Like we need stuff from them. We want to talk to them. They need stuff from us. We can make this work as long as you don't offend them. Cause that's what they're like. Uh, and then the Aziz show up and the Aziz are in this organic ship and each member of the ship is like a different function of the ship. And because you've seen star Trek and have read anything science fiction, you're like, Oh, this is all one being obviously, but Ben Francisco <laughs> cannot figure this out to save his goddamn life.
0: <laughs> no cannot uh, and, and this will be treated as one of the like climactic revelations of this book
1: yes uh and so uh, it's curzon dax who you never get into the interiority of because curzon's too important to give you insight into his mind uh Basically leading Benjamin through the nose to the, By the nose and explaining to him all these things Through allusions to people like Miyamoto Musashi Real life 16th century samurai Or and god Yes <laughs> Correct uh, that's, That happens also uh, Also uh, the, What, what? <laughs> Also everyone's very horny oh, Everyone's horny because there's this like dancing Is it a cat lady They, they describe her as being like animalistic Right Yes yeah uh and uh obviously um curzon knows what's going on but he's not going to tell anyone anything about it uh until it is too late of course
0: <laughs> and then cisco spent the entire book like trying to fuck her but like she's like talking to Curzon so much like damn that old man why is he so much better with the cat ladies than i
1: <laughs> yes uh but it turns out that no he she's like actually uh part of a third like bonding pair that the Bactricians need and the rest of her triad was killed and she was supposed to commit suicide and she's actually trying to get off planet and uh, in the protection of the Federation uh, and curzon knows this and is trying to do that while he's negotiating with the bactricians who are trying to hunt her down it's a mess but of course he doesn't tell anyone this until uh there's like an attempt on her life during a delegation meeting or whatever and they actually kill the the the, poet yeah the poet which is the thing keeping all of the aziz together uh in like (laughs) a ship unit
0: the way it goes is he's, he's like oh i can't it's like they kill the poet and then uh Cisco's like, well that sucks, but they can leave and uh, I guess that's just a failed negotiation and one death, that's not too bad in the, the scheme of things. And then Garland's uh, like, did you not know? You fool. This, this was the one of those that couldn't die because they're all one person but also they're more than one person because they need this other person in order to like soothe them and otherwise that ship will fall apart before it even like gets halfway home. And Cisco's like, alright, I guess, great. If only there was something we could do. Yep. <laughs> well. Well, then they put the cat
1: lady in there because she's empathetic <laughs> and special. That's yeah. it. That's, it. That's uh, it. Janeway's dad is there. He's working with Curzon. <laughs> yes. This is a bad story. This one sucks. This one, like, it's full of, like, weird racist caricatures of all the aliens, and Benjamin Sisko's an idiot, and it's just him and Cal Hudson being horny, and Curzon, like, being like, oh, you stupid boys, you don't even know what horny is. Uh, Also,
0: it somehow manages to, like out-transphobe the fucking McCoy story? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> because he's, he's like, super turned on to this cat lady, uh, but then the reveal's, like, she's actually, like, a third gender, and that's why she's so androgynous. He's like, oh, I was, I can't believe I was attracted to something so, like, alien, and maybe, it's like, it literally says it wasn't male or female, it was something italics other. And I'm like, man, alright, you want to lean into this any harder?
1: Yeah, it's gross. This is a bad really story. Really
0: not into fucking Chaser Cisco. Like, oh gross worst thing that's ever happened yeah well thankfully
1: the person who wrote this has written nothing they written like the uh the novelization of far beyond the stars which you probably won't ever bother reading so no we don't read
0: episode novelizations typically also that's a good one for kind of insensitive racist writing <laughs> yeah you know what fair <laughs> enough jackson tell me about the last one of
1: these stories save us from ourselves tell me about jedzia.
0: Oh fuck, what happened in this one? I can't even remember a tiny bit. This one's called Reflections. This is by L.A. Graff. Oh, right, I remember. So you do you know the episode where um Jadzia uh is like attacked by this guy who's like, hey, to Steal your d- Verad, yes, thank you. He's attacked she's attacked by Verad, who like steals the symbiote very briefly and in in such a way where it totally is fine, even though it's meant to be permanent death. Um and uh uh, tries to like get the symbiote because this is the one where it's like oh there's only like 3% of Trill ever able to become bonded and that's injustice and that's unfair uh, well in this uh, in this short story uh, Jadzia's only ever mentioned off-screen sister um was this sister mentioned before that's what i want to know no this, we never a...
1: really we never get anything about Jedzia's family life that's like doesn't exist in ds9 basically
0: yeah because this like it fleshes out jed z as a person more than because jed z is so much more of an extension of Dax at the start of that show they, yes. ha- they haven't even realized what trill are to like season four mm-hmm. um so um sh- her sister shows up uh who is like used to used to be her twin, but then got thick? Uh, is literally like they used to like like literally says like they used to pretend they were twins, but then like she became more statuesque and and the and uh, what's her name like Ziran Ziran like became more plump, uh, and now they can never pretend to be twins again. And I was like, okay, so thick Jadzia, great, thanks everyone. Yep. <laughs> literally, what you wrote down. Uh, you had no idea. Um, but she she shows up and she's like completely out of her mind like barely able to talk because she's got a symbiote inside her and that shouldn't happen because she was never selected and in fact she said she never wanted a symbiote so they're trying to figure out what went on and like maybe she was so driven uh, by like jealousy to the joint trills to like steal a symbiote just like Varane she's like no my sister would never do that she would never lie to me like that and, and then Sisko's like but maybe she was lying to you that the whole time and then she goes no this can't be how can this be this can't be true and then they go to to the they go to the trill mental hospital. (laughs) Yes they do.
1: And it's just a mental hospital from like the 70s.
0: But because the effects on the mind of the trill are so crazy. Yes, they're like they're like
1: it's the only Federation race that still has mental hospitals.
0: (laughs) Because they're so fucking bonkers. And I'm like, great. Thanks everyone. This is very sensitive. From the you know from the franchise that brought you those three augments.
1: Yeah. God
0: Correct. Yeah. The 90s were a different time for mental health. Oh. Yeah. Quote tweeting this story with some of us have depression, Jadzia. <laughs> um, so they go and then they find like the investigator who's on DS9 and they're like, wait, it's him and he's like a blubbering mess. What's... <gasps> it must have been Verad all along. They rush back to DS9. It turns out Varad uh, was like posing as an investigator and had like literally got surgery to look like the person who's... um. Host, he was stealing, which is a step up from his prior plan. So good yes. job there, Varad. <laughs> Shame it all fell apart. Also, you knew they were going to the hospital. You could have blown up the ship. I'm just saying, if you're going to be a criminal mastermind, you got to follow through. Yes. Um, they expose him. They are able to get the symbiont out of both him and uh, her sister because there's like a drug that's now been available to like. Uh, Remove symbionts without damage to hosts, and they're like, "Oh, this could mean the end of trial Society. This could mean like people literally just like passing symbionts around as drugs."
1: No, what they're saying is there's totally an underground people who do that, and it kills. It basically destroys the symbiont. Yeah, yeah,
0: it is not a good thing.
1: No, it's bad. <laughs> uh, but it,
0: it like it, it exists, but they're totally treated it as like a reveal. Like this is not a thing yes. that everyone is aware of. Yeah, no, no. barely anyone's aware of the fucking symbionts in the first place, let alone the symbiont black market.
1: Yep. Human trafficking, but for stomach slugs. Yep. Uh, this story would be good if it was an entire book where you could flesh this stuff out. As a short story, it is, like, delirious in how much information it's trying to dump on you at all times.
0: <laughs> the Trill Mental Hospital! Yes. <laughs>
1: This is maybe the busiest one of these. And it comes at the end. You're like, I don't care about Jedzia's family. They don't exist. And yet they give you a big story about Jedzia talking about the time her and her sister went sledding and it was traumatic or whatever. And I was like, I'm literally falling asleep reading this. And then it turns into <laughs> Virad stealing symbiotes and like
0: changing his face to be part of an underground symbiote swapping ring. <laughs> Too much happens for a short story in this. Yes. <laughs> like if it sounded kind of delirious the way I was telling it, like that is accurate. Yeah. Anyway, that's that book.
1: Which brings us to the very last story, which is back to Esri in Amsterdam Until Morning, again by the Reeve-Stevenses. Uh, she explains... She ends the story to talking to Vic and Vic is like shit that's a lot that happened to you <laughs> are you telling <laughs> me that you actually are like oh I still feel weird about being joined when you've gone through like all of the shit of all of Star Trek for the last 200 years she's like well when you put it like that it sounds really stupid and he's like yeah it sure does maybe you should think <laughs> about your life and you're you know you're dating Julian he's a nice kid someday it probably won't work out but who cares you've lived nine lifetimes you should be used to this shit by now
0: oh, she's I love like, how completely obvious it is to everyone that they're doomed <laughs>
1: <laughs> she's like thanks Vic you're a really good listener I can't believe you know all this stuff and then the story intimates that Vic is like he's more than a hologram he's special she's like I wonder if something else is in his programming something strange and alien and i'm like wait a second these people think that vic fontaine's magical he's not fucking magical i hate it (laughs) he's just a hologram yes the whole point point is that (laughs) if you leave holograms on long enough and they're advanced enough they just gain sentience and star trek hasn't begun to grapple with that yet but it sure will when we get to those voyager books
0: i'm sure uh, does it not in the show? He's literally. I mean, there's no federation to grapple with it with. Oh, like, the crew right. think I guess he's he has human. To come, I guess he has to come home and they're like, fuck, shit. I yeah. guess we're, like, creating sentient beings and killing them every five minutes.
1: Yeah, they need a data's day for holograms.
0: They really do. We're going to get to it at some point.
1: Or not data's day, measure of man. You know what I meant.
0: I knew what you meant. Yep. <laughs> they also need a data's day, day for holograms. Dana's oh. well, uh, uh, day holograms
1: exist in like every season of Voyager, though, so it's fine. Oh,
0: does he, is the the time he tries to eat something is like oh yeah, like I can't every eat, like like food. every three
1: B plots is the doctor tries something for the first time.
0: Because I remember the one where he tried to eat food and it was like oh I'm a hologram yeah, um, but I assume he does that for everything yeah.
1: Uh, so yeah, that that's in this book. It's real up and down. The back half kind of bad. That uh that story with uh Joran is worth the entire book though.
0: Oh, that Duran one's so good.
1: Yes, it made me want to read a bunch of crime fiction. Same. <laughs> yep. You know, uh, I'm glad I'm watching Hannibal right now. You should watch yeah, Hannibal. I should. Better than Star Trek. I'm gonna go out there and say that. Is it? I mean, like, like I uh, like Star Trek, and it's very important to me. The more Star Trek I watch, the more I'm like, this show kind of sucks a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, We I bring guess. a lot to it. I'm not here to say Star Trek is, like, the greatest show ever made. It's not.
2: Mm-hmm. I've
1: been watching TOS and late DS9, and, man, you want <laughs> to show me the Whiplash. failures of television? They exist in those shows put together. <laughs>
0: it's not even... Those are the good Star Treks. You know
1: uh but yeah that that's it this book was all right it's interesting i wish the show could do more with trill but i feel like the only reason this book works is because it operates on literally the scale of centuries uh can't do that in a television show
0: yeah you would need to have like i mean one a budget to do a million sets yes which like every star trek show is set in like three rooms for a reason yep
1: and every and time before- DS9 tries to do an episode about Oh, this is stuff that's holed over from Curzon It's the most boring shit in the world No one ever wants that You don't want You don't want stories about a character that's been dead when the show
0: started Yep uh, I mean, I like the one with the, all the Klingons
1: Yeah, but that's a little different That's about how cool Klingons are And yeah, they are, we know
0: <laughs> Okay, yes, you can't
1: do that unless it's about how cool Klingons are <laughs> <laughs> Yeah And you bring back three of the, like, actual people who played Klingons in the original
0: series <sighs> Oh, what a cool episode.
1: Yeah, it's good.
0: Do we have anything else, or is that it for the day?
1: That's it for the day. This is a long episode. Yeah. Short stories. Wait till we get to Tales from the Captain's Table, where, like, all of those are probably crazy and interesting.
0: Oh, I can't wait.
1: We're just gonna have, what? like, three hour-long
0: episodes. Which we get to Tales from the Captain's Table too, where it's all, like, the book-only captains.
1: Oh, that's even better, because I care yeah, a lot I more about that.
0: <laughs> Enterprise B, let's go.
1: Oh, Jesus Christ.
0: Where are you? What's his name of us, Cameron. Cameron, yeah. You know, Cameron. Cameron. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I hate it. We're done here. <laughs> Next month, we are, in like two weeks, we are reading. Let me go to these. I have 7,000 tabs open. What were they? Oh no, I think I just closed one of the tabs I needed. Jackson. We are reading
0: Rising Sun. We are watching Battle Lines, which is season something something, and The Muse, which is season four something. Battle Lines is season one, episode
1: 13, and The Muse is, I think, the one I closed. Do you remember what that is?
0: It is season four, episode 20-something.
1: Yeah. Uh, we will be doing that, and please enjoy. We'll be back to talk about what happened while Jake Sisko was in that damn wormhole for like seven months. I assume and he, he wasn't in the wormhole the entire person. time.
0: Well, who knows how time works in that fucking thing.
1: Oh, yeah. Wibbly wobbly timey wimey.
0: I'm dying. I'm going to (laughs) go. Goodbye. Thank you. Uh, No, Jackson,
1: where can people find you on Twitter and where can they find our
0: fine podcasts? (laughs) Doctor Who references kills us dead. (laughs) They can find us at AbnormalMapping.com, which is where all of our podcasts are. They can find me on Twitter at headfuls off. If you would like to support the show, you can do so at Patreon. No, fuck, that's you. Uh, what show should I plug? There's so many shows on our network. There's a lot. There's Abnormal. If people want,
1: people games. want the other adventure of space bullshit.
0: They should go. They to. should go to Patreon.com dot slash AbnormalMapping.
1: That's not what uh, I meant. That's not what I meant. I was pitching to the Amory Score Jackson.
0: Fuck, we do three of these. <laughs> <laughs> They should go to the Amory Score, which is a podcast about the epic works of Coheed and Cambria. If it is as far from Star Trek as you could possibly get and still be in space, it is bananas. <laughs> that, that's like the best pitch possible, but only to you and me. <laughs> <laughs> Look, if Mayo walked into Deep Space Nine,
1: oh god,
0: worlds colliding. Uh, that you would actually probably be great, mayor.com. let's be real. Yeah, yeah let's be real. If Wilhelm Ryan walked into Deep Space Nine... That would be bad. <laughs> yes. It's bad when
1: he walks into his own fucking ship. Like, if, if, if Mayo uh, walks into Deep Space Nine, I just read that as like an Austin Walker character now, suddenly. So it's good. <laughs> Fuck, you're right. So that that's <laughs> the intersection of all our interests. If you want to support all of those interests and the other podcasts we did not describe, you can go to patreon.com. Support us any amount, but for $1 a month, you will get the Great Gundam Project, which is me and Jackson once a week talking about two episodes of Gundam with much more coherence than we talk about these episodes of star trek because i write down summaries and about how much gundam is interesting and often frustrating because it's not star trek it is a nice companion to this if you watch both shows i don't know who in the world is into gundam and star trek aside from us but hopefully those people exist
0: we get more grumpy at star trek than uh, at gundam than any of our like actually into gundam friends i don't even know if we're into gundam i like it a lot I like Gunpla. I, I, I'm I, still... The jury's still out on Gundam itself. Well, look, we've got seven years of this shit.
1: We sure do. It's been a long road. That's it. You can find me on Twitter at EM underscore being. We will be back in two weeks for more Star Trek. Until then, I will see you out there.
0: No. <laughs>